I think Paul School was a very important chapter in, in my life. I tend to see my life in terms of chapters, as in a, a story, which I guess while we're talking. And then especially once I became a mother, I wasn't even called Amanda anymore. I was called Alessandro's mum. To talk about one of the things you're passionate about is a dream come true. And since I found out I was autistic at the age of 29, which I feel is kind of late in life. Because I, I my, my journey is one of... Uh, you know, hardship growing up. My main mission was to, I wanted to not just like make it, but actually, you know, thrive in this environment. But it, it has never taken away from my will and determination. Stoked to be on. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, I've, uh, I've been the bucket list guy for about 10 years. One day I, I saw a link uh, on I think it was Facebook and I followed the link because it resonated with me and I ended up reading about empaths. Now you can always edit, you can always edit the inappropriate stuff out. Um, and I'm looking at those faces and it's making me feel very old. I am just finishing something so I, I just wanted to be polite rather than just be abrupt. <laughs> I was born just like everyone else and and went through just a normal growing up or whatever. However, each of us grows up, that's our normal, right? Because we don't know anything else. So, um, so I'm no different in that regard. And here's your host, David Hackett. Having gone through the experience of the deaths of so many loved ones, and I can understand this totally, our guest today has learned to face life with love, optimism, and joy. She has kept journals and written to express herself most of her life, which led her to a career of teaching, writing, and writing books. She naturally turned to writing to help deal with her grief. That then she discovered she could use writing to help friends deal with grief too. And we will see about the book she's talking about, because I know when we introduce her, her book's behind her. But to share a message, she also hosts the Grief and Happiness podcast, which I'll put the link in description after. Uh, I've finished this so when you're watching this there will be a description of a podcast below she's also wrote the book which we're going to talk about no doubt she also facilitates weekly meetings of the grief and happiness alliance which I think you can be part of and she's also founded the grief and happiness non-profit foundation she publishes a weekly newsletter which she'll tell you how to get hold of and blog and her new book which we'll talk about is launching on July the 7th so today we welcome and as it says on the thing, aloha to Emily, to the journey. Aloha. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure. Now, as I was saying pre-interview, everyone has a journey. And I said about the earliest memory of where your journey began. And the joke I stick to, and I always say it because it's a way of breaking the ice, and everyone's journey is obviously you're born. What what was your earliest inspiring memory that made you, Emily, the way you are now? The memory that uh, made me who who I am now actually came after after I had uh, both husbands die, and I I just started focusing on what's my life's purpose because. 
I had, I've done a lot of things in my life, lots of very interesting things in my life, but they were all done at that point. And I'd been taking care of uh, my last husband, Ron, for two years, and we had just moved to Maui um, two years before he transitioned. And I just was kind of lost. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do next. And so that's that's what I, I started writing about just for me, not not to share with anybody, but just to explore for me. And the more I wrote, the more I saw, you know, I've had so much experience with grief and loss and with happiness. And I wanted to do something that would make a difference in the world. And everything mm -hmm. else really came forward from there. Yeah, and I truly understand that because grief helps people channel their innermost feelings. It's like, as you know, journal is like a diary, but it's more personal. And I'm saying from my personal experience, and I do relate a lot to my personal experience. When I started the brand Where I Am Now, not the podcast, but I started a blog in 2012, that's when I lost the last link that kept me happy in life, and that was my grandmother. And now, so I started journaling that because her words when she was alive is, do something on the computer. You're good on the computers. You will make a difference in people's lives by doing something on the computer. Now, at the time, she said, you could probably fix computers. You could probably do this. But I started blogging, and, you know, the blog was just a way of me expressing views from my point of view and it helped people feel inspired so i assume your journal was your thoughts that you wanted to express to help you cope it it, it really was and i've i've journaled a long time on and off before um this kind of epiphany came about what i was supposed to do now but once i started uh journaling just faithfully every day. I call it my my morning practice. I, I journal. I write what I'm grateful for. I write what my intentions are. And I just explore my, my thoughts. And there's just so much gratitude in my journaling. And when I do that first thing in the morning when I get up, it, it really affects me. And it, it allows me to, to keep positive and inspired and, and see exactly what i'm am supposed to do right now yeah and i i can totally relate to that and it's your way of getting rid of cleansing your body ready for the day to pure you know i'm not saying this in the because obviously everyone's got different views but it's to cleanse the body and make the body and i will go into the colors it will make your color color white and not so dark thinking oh this 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 it makes you think i'm going this so it's a different way of expressing it yeah that's true so um you said and we talk about your book briefly now it says live loving and living and your way through grief this is a unique way of putting it because i like it because it catches the imagination of how you can live life still still love people but you're still grieving and it's about having that balance I assume. that that's so true that's what i my 
aim was with the writing and the things that I do. And I was inspired to write this book because after my husband died, about six months later, a very dear friend of his died suddenly. And this friend was a lot younger than my husband. And he actually called my husband dad. It was that big of an age difference. And he just died on his way home from work one day. With So there was no warning, no preparation. He had a wife that uh, they're, they're, had two daughters. One was a senior in high school and one was in college. And I knew that she had no idea what she needed to be thinking about or dealing with right at that moment. So I, I sat down immediately and wrote her this letter saying, these are the things you need to pay attention to right now. And these are the things that you don't. Because I've, I've seen people who are, are dealing with loss, they get all wound up in the, <clears throat> the don't things and the things that are important to focus on just kind of slip away. So, and I got that to her actually within hours after he died. And she let me know later on how important that letter was to her because she had tons of people coming over and, uh, you know, saying, uh, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And she'd think about my letter and go, no, I don't. <laughs> and she she knew where to focus. And I thought, oh, I'm so glad that this helped her so much, but I want to do more. That it, I, I loved her response to what I'd done. So I meditated on it a little while. And what came to me was to write her a card every week for the first year. And the the cards that I I wrote I I live in Maui Hawaii and I'm taking pictures on my phone all the time and I thought I'm going to put these pictures to use so I I made these cards that I printed off on my computer and each week there'd be a different photograph from Maui and I knew that she loved Hawaii and that that would be special for her and then I was going to write something different inside uh, each time for each week and I thought. Before I start this project, I probably should try and see if I've got 52 different things to say. (laughs) (laughs) So I sat down and I made a list and I thought, boy, I've got easily 52 things. And I I just, it inspired me to start writing. And, And within a day and a half after I had the idea, I had all 52 things written. So then through that year, it, it helped me with grief too, because I, I really loved her husband too. He was just a fabulous person. Mm. And I it sent those as it went along. And I was telling my um, step-granddaughter ab- about this experience. And she contacted me just maybe a month later and said that her dad, my, my stepson's best friend, had just died suddenly and leaving his wife and his children and with no preparation because he was too young and that sort of thing. She said, Mm. could you possibly make some of those cards for me? So I said, sure. And as I was printing those, those cards off and, and folding them and, you know, putting them all together, um, I was listening to a podcast and it was somebody that I, I really like listening to her podcast and her guest that day happened to have written a book and I was interested in her book. And so I scrolled down to the bottom of her page and she said, and I am a book agent. So if you have an idea for a book, let me know. Hmm. And that was like, 
inspiration. I, you know, I saw that and I thought, I'm a writer. I have an outline that I've made with these things with the 52 different weeks. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's where my book got started from. Yeah, and I just like and you know I, the way I call this podcast the journey is because everyone's journey is different and everyone's journey is unique because you could go on the fastest road, straightest road possible, but not always easy. You know that yourself, as you just testament to oh, yes. about how you know things come in your way. Deaths are a distraction. They decide the road. They do. I don't know what they call them in America. So excuse my term. I've used the way we use in England. You know, you got the slip roads. You got hmm. the diversions. I think it's exits. I think you call America. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, you got those diversions. So nothing's always straightforward. But when you find a niche that is happy for you and you connect with it, it keeps you staying focused on that main road and it's a never-ending journey. That's right. And it, and it's so good when you can. And, and one of the things I frequently see when I'm talking to people who are dealing with, with grief is that they get in their own way. They They just don't stay on that road. They say oh, I couldn't possibly do that, or I can't do this now, or and, and they they block a lot of the good that could come to mm. them that would really help them move forward because they, they throw up these roadblocks. So I always encourage people to pay attention to, to what inspires you and act on it. Don't, don't just say, oh, I'll do that later, or uh, I'm, I'm not good enough to do that, or whatever it is. But to get out of get out of your own way and listen to inspiration. Yeah, and talking about grief, and it's a thing that is a common thing. I took a year at least to overcome the death of my grandfather who died in two thousand five. I took a bit longer with my grandmother, who died in two thousand twelve. But the thing was. It kept me going, but at the same time, those people around me, I'm not saying that I'm a big family at the time, but my mum, she took the death badly. Now, there was an opportunity, yeah, I could have stayed with her and supported her, but I couldn't at the time, through circumstances that was beyond my control. But after that, me and my mum wasn't the same again, and I put it down to, and I'm not saying this in any way judging her, because I'm not, and I don't even know if she listens to my podcast or knows I've got podcasts, but if she does, I'm not judging her, so I'm making that clear. But she went through grief a lot more difficult than I did. Now, I know I was close to my grandparents, and I know in a sense she was close to, you know, her parents, but... That time of grief for her, she should have reached out more to me and make the effort to say, I need your help, David. And I would have been there for her. But she wasn't. So as a consequence, that love between me and her now is not as strong as it was. And I haven't spoken to her for a few years. Mm. And every time I do talk to her, she's got the negative blockers on because that's her way of coping. Oh wow, that and I I understand that. And when things like that happen, especially when it has to do with grief, because things come up a lot of times. There's something 
like in our own mind, like, like in her mind, there's, there's something that you don't know what's going on there, mm. but it's getting in her way of being able to be in a, a better relationship with you. Yeah. Is it, it's uh, when, when we have these thoughts and feelings and we just hold on to them and don't let go, that's, that's an example of getting in your own way that you, uh, you really can't move forward. And it's when you can start releasing what doesn't serve you anymore, then you can open up and things start getting better. Mm. And like I said, yes, it took me longer when my grandmother died, but the coping mechanism was starting the blog. And -hmm. back then it was known as wise words for you, but obviously I've expanded and now it's known as white wolf inspirations and wise words for you, because I like to encompass you know what is you know good and more inspirational because i have been inspired by people in my life to help me stay focused and yeah it's difficult sometimes i still have difficulties but i learned you got to be positive you if you're in the right company you will be successful that's right so positivity is important go ahead i'm sorry (laughs) it's all right so it says you'd naturally turn to writing and i've written several i write poetry that's my mm-hmm. go-to so you journal i do blog posts i do poetry and you said writing to help friends deal with grief have you written any more for any more friends in recent since you've started this journey well, what what happened with me was once once I got my book contract and I was I was working with my agent and she said you've got to have a social media or a platform where you can get the word out about you and the book so people will know that it's there to buy. And it, with that advice, one of the first things that I did was create a blog that I posted on on my website every week. Hmm. And just like the cards, I thought, am I going to have something that I can write about every week? <laughs> and I, I discovered that every week, uh, when it's time to write the blog, the inspiration is there. And it, it's really exciting to say, well, what am I going to write about this week? And there it is. And, <laughs> and then I can write on it. And um, recently, I, I have my own podcast. And I had gone to some workshop or something, and they said, it's it's good to have, the, the more podcasts you have, the more you'll get listened to. Mm. And it's good to have a variety of podcasts so that it's not like they're all, all the same sort of thing. Well, my podcast was interviews and still is interviews at the time. Um, and there's quite a bit of variety with things that do with grief and happiness. That's the name of the podcast, Grief and Happiness. So I can have lots of different kinds of guests, but they're all longer. They're they're usually about a half an hour, sometimes 45 minutes. And I thought, I, I want to write, or not write, I want to have a short podcast every week too. And I thought, my blogs, it'll be my voice, and I'll be reading a blog a week. Now I've got three years of blogs that I've written. So I'm, I've got an endless supply because I'm continuing to write my blogs every week. And I just read that. So I have a, a half an hour podcast. that's an interview every week. And then this um, maybe five minute podcast every week with me giving just some inspirational words like I write in the blog. And 
the topics are all different. And I, I have as many people listen to the short ones as the long ones. And mm. I've had lots of positive comments <laughs> on that short one because they say, I know I, I don't have that long to sit down and listen to an hour long podcast, but I can listen to five minutes <laughs> and mm -hmm. then it gives them something to think about and to deal with. And people seem to really enjoy it. So that's yeah. that's another kind of writing that I'm doing and is the writing, and, writing the blog. And it's like hearing a focal weekly viewpoint of your life. Mm -hmm. That's how I right. describe it. So, um. You so it's obviously grief and happiness podcast that I assume that's on most podcast platforms. Yes, it is. Okay, and like I said, I'll put up the link in the description post edit. So we talk about um you said about facilitating weekly meetings of the grief and happiness alliance, and obviously you wrote the book loving and living your way through grief, which I think I'm going to use for a title for the podcast today. How is this weekly meeting run? How can people be part of it? Well, let me let me tell you, a bit, back it up a little bit to tell you what led up to it. Hmm. Um, I had written my book, The Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, and it had been published, and I was writing my blog every week. And I thought, I, I've got to do more. There's, <laughs> I have this thing. It was like why I wrote the the book that came from the cards because I felt like I had to do more, <laughs> but I didn't. I wasn't really sure what it was, so I kind of put it out there. That I was thinking about. I've got to discover what this more is, and I ran across a book called uh, Happy for No Reason by Marcy Shimoff, and I remembered that I had read it after my other husband died. And that it had really helped me to read that. And, and I thought happiness is what's missing. So I thought I was going to get some uh, resistance to grief and happiness being in this, <laughs> the same uh, phrase. Mm. And, and I did when I first started talking about, I'm thinking about doing this. But then I saw that Marcy had a happy for no reason certified training trainer program. And I thought, I'm just going to take that because that's going to help me with, with my perspective on this. And it did. It was just great. And as, as I completed that program, I thought, okay, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to combine that grief and happiness and we'll do that. And I really liked that. And I thought, I've got to do more. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, wouldn't it be neat to do, because I'd been teaching people uh, are working with people to write through their grief. They'd come over to my house here on Maui and a uh, couple times a month, and we'd write and talk about what we wrote. And it was really successful and the people really liked it. And I had taken that online when the pandemic started so mm. that people from anywhere could, could do that. And we would just do writing through grief every week. And I thought I could combine that writing that I'm doing with happiness practices, practices that I learned how to do and have learned a whole lot more about happiness since I did all this, uh, and have a, a weekly meeting where people could come together and we'd write about a specific topic I'd give them every week that had something to do with grief. And then we'd talk about what we wrote and then I'd teach them a happiness practice every week. And I thought, I think this is a really good idea, but Maybe other people are not going to think so because of this grief and happiness. They don't think you can do both things at the same time. So 
I thought I'll do a pilot program. And I invited a bunch of people uh, that I knew from all over to do a, a pilot program where I, I told them what my intention was. I uh, ran a meeting like that I had the intention of doing that they could participate in so they could actually see and feel and hear and, and write. And then after that, we discussed it and they all loved it. And it was like a unanimous thing, which kind of surprised me because I figured I was going to get some feedback or somebody wasn't going to think it was a good idea, but they all really liked it. Hmm. And I said, okay, here's my other problem. I don't believe that I should be charging people to participate in something like this, because I think anybody who's dealing with loss has enough on their plate. They don't need to have to be additionally. Yeah. Additionally, or getting in their own way by not coming to uh, the, the meetings because they have to pay. And the group it came up with the idea of creating this nonprofit organization so that they could fund the uh, everything to do with the grief and happiness alliance so people didn't have to pay but at the same time the people who come to the grief and happiness alliance know that the nonprofit organization is providing this for them they they feel strongly enough about it that they're paying their way so they can get this help so there's more perceived value because a lot of times if you offer something for free people don't think it's that valuable hmm. so with them knowing that it's like like a scholarship like they're getting a scholarship to get this very important help uh through the nonprofit that that would work and then it at the same time my i was creating my grief and happiness podcast to come out uh it's on every week so i've i've combined all these things together that had to do with grief and happiness and i i should say that one of the things that i strongly believe is that you don't get over grief that once somebody you love dies that grief will always be with you but it it changes in form hmm. it gets to the point where you can hold it in your your heart and still miss that person and but still feel that love and that bond and and the joy that you had together for the rest of your life and that that makes it so grief can be positive in the early grief the early mourning is um is where it's it's really tough and i can't say it's exactly positive but knowing that you can be moving forward a little bit at a time and you can eventually get to the point where you can be perfectly happy. I honestly can say now that I'm happier now than I ever have been. And it's because that's what I'm focusing on while I'm helping people deal with grief and loss. I don't get, I, I don't go into that um, chasm of, of uh, sorrow with grief and loss with them. I, I focus on what's good about their loved one. Talk to them about their loved one using their loved one's name. It makes a huge difference mm. of being able to see things positively that really helps them to deal with their grief. Yeah, and I do understand that because that's how I cope with my grief. I learned, yes, it happened. I had my time of missing. I've had my time of crying. I still have my times of crying. I still have my times of being 
I'm not saying deliberate, but aggressiveness, because that's my way of coping with it. But mm. I know that the legacy still lives on. You know, the thoughts of what I'm doing, you know, because of what she suggested, will live on even beyond the point of when I'm not here. So I can understand the point of view on that because, you know, I'm not going to say I'm going to die anytime soon, touch wood. But <laughs> the podcast will still be there. The videos will still be there. People will always look at that. The only way it will disappear is if it gets right from memory. But I'm wanting this legacy to stay here even after I've gone. So me living and remembering my grandparents, especially my grandmother, more so, you know, her legacy still lives through the mindset of what I do. When I talk to people, I think of what she'd be saying to me if I was with her now. She'd be like, you know, she'd be saying, I'm proud of you. And I know she'd be proud of me. That's right. That's right. And I, I have, uh, in this legacy idea i i that's part of what i was kind of considering when i i wrote my book was i i don't have to be here for somebody to get benefit from this book with um dealing with their loss and so with the the nonprofit organization you have to do fundraising and writing grants and doing things to get the money to to fund it mm. and i said how about if we have a grief and happiness handbook and they love that. So that's my next book that's coming out. It's going to launch on July 7th. And that and, will be from most bookstores, I would assume. Yeah, you can get in, get it any place, the, the Grief and Happiness Handbook. And uh, in addition to that, people kept saying, I want those cards that you wrote to your friend. <laughs> how, <laughs> how do I get those? And I was, my publisher that I'm working with now, a wonderful publishing company, Ignite uh, Press. They're they're really fabulous. And I was talking to the uh, person there about my book. And she she had read my my book, obviously, before they agreed to publish it. And she said, I love the idea of these cards. Why don't you publish the cards? And I said, well, I've looked into all kinds of different ways of doing it. It's outrageously expensive because there's 52 things. So you've got to pay 52 times to, you know, put it together and hmm. do it manually. And I, I thought, you know, it just seemed like too much work. And she said, well, let's let's just print them. And so the cards are going to be coming out at the same time that the book comes out. And it's, it's a, a beautiful box set. I just, I love how pretty it is. And each card has on one side, one of the things that um, you can, those, those little bite-sized things that could support you where you can pull one out and read it. And the other side are pictures that I've taken here on Maui, just, just for beauty and to be able yeah. to think of the beauty of, of nature. And so I'm very excited about people having access to those so it's cards. Like, so it's like a calendar because you do get those card calendars where you can look at the calendar and pull out the card and see something written. And I like that idea. Yeah, they, they can just, because they're, they're loose cards in, in a pretty box and they, they can pull out whatever they want to. But another thing that they could do is if they were inspired by me supporting my friend for the first year of grief, they could do the same thing as get a set of those cards and envelopes and 
put a card in an envelope once a week and send it to them and and maybe with a short personal thinking of you sort of note yeah. with it. And so they could do that same sort of thing. Cause that, that first year, if, if you get something every week, something in the mail, not just a, uh, an email or text or something, but something, something beautiful to look at that the person receiving them knows that they're being thought of knows that there's, there's um, this love that comes through with something like that. It would be great. When, when I launched uh my loving and living your way through grief book. We did an online launch because it was during the pandemic, of course. So we did it online. And the person that Lori, who the first uh, book or first chapter is, is about Lori and Lori came to that launch. And I was so touched when she picked up in her hands, all 52 cards and said how much they meant to her. Hmm. It, it was really powerful. And even so, you describing it does sound powerful. Just imagining that picture, and I—I've got that picture in my mind. It sounds so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then the, the the proceeds from the cards and this this new book are all going to support the foundation, so that we can keep helping more people and not having them have to pay for it. I agree, and I support that idea. I love that a lot. So to end this interview and we've obviously spoke about and this is how people can get in contact with you how can people get hold of your newsletter blog obviously we said about the book coming out and how can people get in contact with you uh on my i have two different uh, websites that i use one is griefandhappiness.com and the other one is loving and living your way through grief.com. And on both of those, there's a contact thing where you can contact me or you can sign up. There's a pop-up that comes up where you sign up for the newsletter. You just put your name and your email address and we'll send you something every week. And with, with that newsletter, there's an invitation to the Grief and Happiness Alliance meeting every week. And one last thing. What inspiration would you want to say to people listening or watching this now? My mission is to help people understand that they really can grieve and be happy at the same time. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Oh, thank you for allowing me to. Thank you, Emma. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.